Hello, welcome to our church at home service. If you are joining us for the first time, a special welcome to you. Won't you kindly click on the welcome link and fill in your details? This is so that we can get to know who you are and welcome you to our church family. Today we've got an awesome service lined up. But before we get into that, let us stand up and open our hearts as we get ready to praise and worship our Lord and Savior. Get up onto your feet and let us sing. Shaking up the atmosphere As the shadows fade into nothing as the days appear Beyond the skies above Love reaching out for us The everlasting one Jesus Everlasting 
Oh, we look to the Son indeed. We set our eyes on the Savior. We see the image of love when we see Him. And we continue to sing His praises forever. Well, let's have a quick look at what's happening in the life of the church. On Sunday, the 5th of September, we are going to have our annual general meeting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Please save the date. More information will be shared in the coming weeks. Cornerstone's Ladies' Conference, which is meant to take place on the 21st of August, will no longer take place in person. It will only take place online. For more information or queries, please speak to Mrs. Matebula. Her details will appear. As a church, we have decided to start another prayer group. Um, this is a prayer group for people who are willing and able to wake up at dawn and join us in prayer. Our prayer meetings will be every Tuesday morning at 5 in the morning. Tuesday mornings at 5 in the morning and every week there will be somebody leading us in prayer. It is actually a very interesting and exciting thing because it is an interactive prayer meeting. There will be somebody leading. You will be in the comfort of your house or the comfort of your bed or maybe at times even traveling because the curfew now ends at four, isn't it? So, you know, you would be on the road in the house or wherever you are. Then you'll be able to be part of the prayer meeting. Please join us. Hi, church. We hope you are all doing well. I'd like to personally invite you to our next in-person Sunday or Wednesday church gatherings. We understand that safety is a priority for most people right now. And I can assure you that we are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that you and your family will be safe before, during, and after the church gathering. So here are some of the things that you can expect at any of our in-person church gatherings. Upon arrival, you'll be greeted by our fantastic check-in managers who will scan your temperature and make sure that you have filled in the COVID-19 declaration form. To ensure a smooth and contactless check-in experience, we ask that you uh, pre-book your seat online and also fill in the COVID-19 declaration form prior to your arrival at church. If you are also signing up for other members of your family, make sure that you have filled in the COVID-19 declaration form for each member of your family. As you enter the auditorium, uh, one of our ushers is going to help you to find your seat. Now, our seats have been spaced out to allow for a safe physical distance between you and those that are around you. But you also have the option of sitting next to your family members and your loved ones. We ask that you kindly keep your face mask on, covering both your nose and your mouth throughout the time that you will be on the church premises. Because your safety and the safety of those that are around you is one of our top priorities. And lastly, as awesome as Church at Home has been, we know and we can assure you that it cannot compare to an in-person church gathering. So I cannot wait to see you on our next church gathering. Take care and God bless you. If you've just joined us, well, it's not too late. We still have much more in store for you in this service. Now, right now, we're about to go into a time of giving. Mr. Muhudi will give us a short message on that. Immediately after that, we will have just one more song of worship just to open and prepare our hearts 
for the word. This week, we are on part six of our series. If you have missed any of the previous parts, or you are joining us for the first time today, do visit our YouTube page, which is People's Church PLK, or visit the Church Center app and look for the previous uh, series. You don't want to miss an episode. Well, let's get straight into today's service as I hand over to Mr. Muhudi with the offering message. Good morning, church family. I trust we are all appreciating the slightly warmer weather that we've been experiencing this week as compared to last week. I've been following the Olympic Games with keen interest and it amazes me how emotional the athletes get especially those who win medals or beat their previous personal bests. It struck me that what we see at the Olympics is but only the final 1% of the actual story. The other 99% is filled with a lot of commitment and selflessness in preparing for the Olympics. Athletes give everything of themselves when getting ready for this competition. They choose a path and get fully captivated by that path. There are no lukewarm athletes at the Olympics. Even those who don't win medals, they are just as committed to their cause. This reminded me of an account of Hannah, Samuel's mother, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. You see, Hannah was one of two wives. Penina, the other wife, had children, and Hannah didn't. Penina would tease and taunt Hannah all the time because God chose not to bless Hannah with children. This made Hannah cry year after year and one day Hannah prayed to God and cried out. Let us pick up the account from 1 Samuel 1 verses 10 to 11. Hannah was in deep anguish crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven, um, heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So Hannah made a dedication. She knew that only God can bless her first then she will use that blessing to bless the Lord. The Lord gave Hannah a son, then Hannah dedicated that son back to the Lord. You see, Hannah purposed in her heart that that blessing which the Lord has given her, she will use it and dedicate it back to the Lord. Hannah understood that all blessings come from the Lord and what a pleasure and privilege it is to be fully committed to partnering with the Lord Hannah, just like those athletes at the Olympics, was fully committed to her path. I would like to encourage us this morning that just like those athletes who are not half-hearted in their commitment, who are so physically and emotionally committed to their calling, that we as Christ followers should do the same. We have all the blessings from heaven. The Lord has blessed us each and every single one of us in one way or another. Some of us have been blessed with monthly income. Some of us have been blessed with teaching 
or musical talents. Some of us are good with children. Some of us are good with our hands, etc., etc. Let us use that we have been blessed with to partner with our Heavenly Father and further the work of His church. Let us let this partnership stir us up inside daily so that His work through the church never lacks anything. That is my prayer for all of us this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you very much that as we look at the Olympics, something can get modeled to us. We can see what commitment looks like. Even throughout your book, we see what commitment and faith looks like. We see Hannah, who dedicated her first son to you because she knew that you provide the blessing. So whatever we have, you have blessed us with first. All we can do is rededicate it back to you through the work of your church. We thank you very much, Lord, for this commitment. And we thank you very much for this privilege so that we can get to partner with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. The bank details will be on your screen right now. Let us partner with our heavenly Father. Enjoy the rest of the service. Thank you.
Greetings, People's Church. Glad you could join us this wonderful morning as we continue our series. Today is uh, part six of our series which we have been busy with called Rise and Rebuild. This series focuses on a period where the children of Israel were returning from captivity back to Jerusalem to rebuild. And we looked at when they rebuilt the altar and when they rebuilt the temple. This morning we'll be focusing on when they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Now prior to this, what happened was that God had warned them that if they continued to be unfaithful to him, he would scatter them among the nations. Now they continued in their evil ways, even though 
prophets were warning them, like Jeremiah gave them warnings, but they continued in those ways. And indeed, what happened in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar then invades Jerusalem when Josiah or Jehoiakim was king. So the rulers and the generals were then captured and exiled to Babylon. But then Jehoiakim gets his position back. But then he decided to rebel or revolt. Then in 597, that's when it was, Jerusalem was invaded for the second time. And then in his place, Metaniah or Zedekiah was, was then king. He also, 11 years later in 586 BC, decided to revolt and it did not end well because this time King Nebuchadnezzar decided that he was really going to show his military prowess. He decimates the city, levels the walls, burns the city to the ground, plunders the city and takes his spoils to Babylon. But Jeremiah had prophesied that after 70 years, God would stay up the heart of King Cyrus. And King Cyrus in 535 BC issues a decree that the children of Israel can return back to Judah and rebuild their lives, rebuild the temple. And then we find that the first journey, about 50,000 people make this journey back to Jerusalem to rebuild their lives and rebuild the city. Even though things were slow going, there was progress, but it wasn't satisfactory. So we then find that, yes, the temple is eventually rebuilt according to the account of Ezra. Now this morning, we'll continue to look at another account of rebuilding. And we move next door to the book of Ezra, a book which we are introduced to this character of Nehemiah otherwise known as Nehemiah. We'll pick it up from the first verse of chapter 1. This is where we are introduced to him as he's getting the report of the state of affairs in Jerusalem. In verse 1 it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Helekiah. It came to pass in the month of Chilzef, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates, gates are burned with fire. So here's a report of the state of Jerusalem. And from this perspective, things do not look very good. And sometimes it is like that when we ask, I don't really know why he was asking. I mean, these people probably just thought he just wanted to know. And sometimes we do that to people. Is we, we ask, how are you doing? But we're not really ready for what they're about to tell us because they could tell us anything. And, I mean, they could tell you that they lost their jobs. It's, it's not as if you were intending to solve that problem. 
And we find that this is where we now know what was in his heart. Why was he asking? Why did he want to know what was happening in Jerusalem? Now we look at Nehemiah's reaction. In verse 4, he says, it says, So it was when I heard this word that I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. We get a first glimpse of Nehemiah's heart and two things jump up real quickly. The first thing is he was just not asking about what's happening in the city. He was seriously concerned. And this is one of those things that cannot be explained because here he is serving in the king's palace. He was the king's cup bearer. He is living a comfortable life by all accounts. And he is concerned about something that is happening more than a thousand kilometers away. I mean, what, what reason is there? It's not as if he's going to change that situation, really. Or it's not as if that situation is affecting him directly. But he just, it's one of those things that it's, you, you, you can't shake it. You can't help it. There are just some, some things that, that bother you. He is in distress. And it's things like that happen. You can't explain why certain things bother you. But they do, you're concerned. It's, it's, certain people are concerned. Why is, is that child next door not going to school? How come my neighbor is unemployed? How come when I walk into church, they're still using the same projector they were using 10 years ago? You're concerned. And some of those things, you will find that you're the only one who is bothered by them. Nehemiah does not consult with other people to find out, is this situation bothering you? He just knows that it does bother him. And he, 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 he takes it to God in prayer. He does not consult with anyone. He takes it directly to God in prayer. And we will see that it was more than just the world that, that, that was concerning him. Because, I mean, what is a wall to God? What is the big deal about this world? The big deal is this is the place where God decided to put his name there. As we have learned from Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 5 is when Moses gave them an instruction that there will be a place where God is put his name there. So the wall really is immaterial. There is always a bigger picture more than just a wall. The second thing that we learn from Nehemiah is that he was a prayerful man. He shows his dependence on God through prayer. And we find right here in verse 5, when now he is praying to God, he says, And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servant, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which 
we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. This will be a great prayer to pray as a nation. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments and statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. Listen to that. He, he, he understands very well why they're in this situation. He understands that God acted justly to let them be captured, but he's now before God. He, this thing is burdening him to the point where he says, I will take it to God in prayer. So he takes it to God in prayer, and, and verse 11 says, Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the light of this man, referring to the king, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, I don't even know if he knew how this thing was going to play out. All that he knew to do at that moment was to pray. He gives this thing to God and he doesn't even know how the king will react. I mean, what do you do now? Is This is the guy who had previously stopped some projects that were going on over there. So do you go to him? I mean, what do you say? I don't like my job. I would like a vacation. What do you ask? But he pleaded with God and said, God, please let this man show me favor. And he puts it in God's sense. And in chapter 2, it says, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan. So we're looking at about four months later. In the 20th year of at King Artaxerxes, at when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? Since you're not sick, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. So he is still grieving after four months. This thing is still burdening him. It's, it just will not go away. So it, it says, he said, so I became dreadfully afraid. This is where the king now has confronted him, seeing that his face is downcast, is there's something really weighing him down, and he's not physically ill. So he said, I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's, my father's tombs lie waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to God of heaven, and said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Verse 6, then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I said, him a time. So he gets, fr from this now we understand is God worked behind the scene without him knowing, obviously to soften the king's heart because the response, he did not really interrogate him. He, do, he did not say, why are you interested in what is happening 
in the city of Jerusalem, why aren't you interested in the affairs of the city? He simply asked him, what is your request? And we will learn later on that he recognizes that this was God's hand upon this whole situation. So the king gives him two letters, one to grant him safe passage all the way to Jerusalem. And the second one is to, for, for him to gather timber to go back and rebuild with it. So it also says that he also, he, he also has the captains of the army with him for company. But he says this, even though he has those letters, he has the army with him. He says, and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon him. He recognizes that if it was not God's hands, it's not as if he could have done it. I mean, what was he going to do? It's not if he has an army. It's not as if he has some persuasive argument to give the king. He says he recognizes that the fact that he's able to embark on this journey is because of God's hand upon this whole situation. Verse 10, this is where things get interesting. Verse 10, he says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. I mean, this is shocking, but it's actually not surprising. It says, there's, a, there's this group of people who souls are out of peace. They are disturbed because somebody took an interest in his people. He was not asking them for anything. He did not ask them for donation. He did not ask them for assistance but somehow, they're disturbed. I mean, the project has not even started. But already these guys feel something inside of them that is stealing their peace. And their BPs are raised through the roof. And you can just picture what will happen when the project actually starts. I mean, this is the first time, but it is certainly not the last time we're going to hear from this gang. He then takes a tour of the city at night, looking at the extent of the work that needs to be done. He then speaks to the officials, the leaders of the people of that time in verse 17. He says, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. That we, are not, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise and rebuild. Then they set their hands to this good work. Remember what I said yesterday in sharing during the offering period that God may put a vision or a burden in someone's heart. Usually it's just one person. But when it comes to execution, it comes down to all of us. It is now, let us rise and rebuild. Because this is something that he could never do by himself. Because yes, he was appointed to do the task. But it comes down to the people. And really, it does not matter who gets the vision. 
Because sometimes people are bothered, but that's a good idea, but I don't like the fact that it came through him. God chooses who he uses. This just happens to be Nehemiah. It could have been anyone who came through with this burden. But the fact, that, the fact that when it's time to execute, when it's time to deliver, it comes down to all of us. He, sa he, he says to them, this, let us put our hands on this good work. And they agree with him. Yes, it is time to rebuild. And the funny thing is, these walls have been lying like that, desolate, for years, decades. But it was time to rebuild now. And it's, sometimes we might, be, we might be caught up in the technicalities. Why now? It does not matter. The fact that it, right now it is time to rise and rebuild. And in different situations, in different circumstances, you might, some people might look at that situation and say, but it's been like that for years. Yes, but it might be time to rebuild now. Yes, that situation has been like that. Yes, your family has been lying in ruins like that. Yes, the situation that has been burdening you, maybe some people even tried to intervene. But this thing is still, you're still not able to shake it loose. Maybe it's time right now to rise and rebuild. And in verse 19, this is what it says. But when, but when Sanballat, uh oh, this is when now he shows up again. When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem, now there's a third guy, the Arab head of it, they laughed at us, despised us, and said, and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? I mean, first they were disturbed. Now they are verbalizing it. They are now mocking them. And this is what happens. If you are going to rise up and make a difference, know that you should expect opposition. Know that it's as if you are painting a target on your back. For some reason, not everyone is happy when the status quo is challenged. Not everyone is happy that with the fact that somebody's life is going to be improved. This is a situation which lied like that for years, but the well-being of the people is about to be changed. This situation did not affect them, yet they find it in their hearts to mock these people, to laugh at them. What are you doing? And in verse 20, so I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants will rise and build. But you will have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. As if to say, you are probably right in mocking us. That, that is fine. The fact that you think we can't do it. Yes, actually you are right. We are not able to do it by ourselves. But that's not, that's not going to intimidate us. Because we know this. The God of heaven will prosper us. The task might be impossible. You're right. The task, we cannot do it. What are we trying to do? Others have tried and failed. But this is not about our wisdom or strength. This comes down to the God of heaven who will prosper the works of our hands. And it's, 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 it's just like when Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he would begin a good work in you will complete it. It's, 
it's, it's not, Nehemiah did not give birth to this vision. It was God. Therefore, it is God's responsibility to see it through. Now, we go over to, to chapter 3. This is now when the actual work starts. And it has a lot of names, and some of it will not be able to go through it. But there, there are some verses which I find very interesting here when it comes down to execution. It says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the ship gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the Tower of Hananel. The question is, so what? And you will always find these details mentioned of who, of all the people who were busy with this project. And when I read the, this part, it says, so what? You're asking, so what? And what I see here is, you would not normally associate the high priest with manual labor. It does not look very spiritual. But I believe that work can be just as spiritual. And sometimes is, is, somebody once said that this is sweat and godliness. And I find it interesting sometimes when it's time, when it's time to execute Sometimes we get very spiritual and technical. We say things like, yeah, I can't do that. I will just pray for the work. Or I'm not called for that type of work. This is not my area of calling. But that has nothing to do with it. It's, it is the heart issue. It was not about talent. Here we don't find, we are not told about the fact that this high priest was a qualified builder. But it was time to build. There are certain situations where it's not really about talents. It's not really about those. It's, it's time to execute. And it's, when it's time to execute, I mean, really, when it's time to stack chairs, no one is gifted in stacking chairs. I mean, if we have to renovate this church and it was time to execute, you might find that we all might have to chip in even with physical labor. That is not very, that is, I know that is not very spiritual, but it's time to execute. And sometimes people, we, we get too caught up in those details, but I'm not called for that. I don't think it's down to the calling. It's just down to the heart. And in verse 5, we also find it very interesting. It says, next to, next to them, he lists a number of people who were building. He says, next to them, the Tequites made repairs made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulder to the work of the Lord. Exactly. As I was saying, there are people who, who, who will just find it in their hearts to think, this is beneath me. This is, this is not the type of work that I don't think I can stoop this low to execute. But they're missing the point. This is not just about the wall. This is about a place where God decided to put his name there. And when you are sold out, 
to what, to what God is. This is what God was doing at that time. And the question is not what, who does what. Yes, he mentions all these details. The question is making yourself available for this work that, that they were doing at this time. So the technicalities of who is an expert in this area, these nobles thought, I don't know what they were thinking. But Nehemiah said, they just find it in them not to do it. And sometimes we miss these opportunities to, to involve ourselves in what God is doing because we are caught up in the minor details which are totally immaterial. And we will continue with this next week and we will look at, at, the, at, the, at, at the other detail, the rest of this wall build, building from chapter 4 to chapter 7. But this is just to summarize what we went through this morning. Number one is what is burdening you? What is grieving you? What is that thing that you just cannot shake loose? You just Maybe it, it's something that God is drawing you to. You do not know if it need is God. And the second thing is pray about it. Pray and wait on God about that thing. That, this is what we find Nehemiah doing is just when I mean, he did not have a plan laid out of how he was going to execute this job. He did not even know if he was going to be involved. But he took it to God in prayer. And he waited. He waited and waited. I don't know what was happening in these four months when he was waiting on God. But he waited. Even though when it looked like God was not doing anything behind the scenes... God was orchestrating events, working in the heart of that king. The, the king simply asked, what is your request? Then he was able to tell. The third thing that we find in this account is, what's the bigger picture? I mean, if the thing that you are about to do or you are doing is the purpose, in itself is the end, you might find that you might want to give it a second thought because God is not a, a monument building God. He's not in the business of building monuments just to, for, for us to admire something that we did. There is always a bigger picture. He does not just do for the sake of doing. This was important because of the name of the Lord that was there. What is the bigger picture? What is that thing? What is the center of that thing? Maybe, maybe for you, you are sent to schools, you are sent to businesses, but it could be an access. It could simply be a way for you to introduce Jesus in those places. It could simply be a pathway. God is orchestrating, but is going to use your talents, whatever was burdening you, there was a, there's a bigger picture. And in this account, we also find the same thing. That the wall is simply a way of God rebuilding these people's lives. There's a bigger picture. And if you read, you're well, more than welcome to read ahead. You will find that God was rebuilding this whole community. It just so happens that the wall was part of that process. And the other thing about the bigger picture is that when you face opposition, when you face criticism, you can remind yourself that this is not just about you. 
there is something more than just what you're doing at that specific time. There is a bigger picture. God is doing something bigger than just building this wall. And if you're going to step up, expect opposition guaranteed. Expect conflict. And if you want to avoid conflict, the best way to avoid conflict is not to do anything. The fourth and last point that I want us to consider is it is God who prospers us. We may plan, we may strategize, we may put resources together, but at the end of the day, it is God's hand upon our work for his glory. Because this is not about us. This was not about Nehemiah. This was about what God wanted to achieve. And it is God who birthed the vision in Nehemiah and it is God's responsibility to see that through. There's no amount of opposition or criticism or laughing or mocking that will derail God's plans. And this morning, I would like for you to reflect on that. That when you face discouragement, that know that it is not about your strength or your wisdom or your knowledge in that area. God can call you in an area where you're not even, don't even have the expertise. But just rely on this. It is God who prospers our plans. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus and we thank you so much. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that you always are always nudging us, Lord. You're always drawing us because we are your hands and your feet, Lord. In situations where you want to bring change, in situations where there's just hopelessness. And Father, we pray that you would burden us with those situations. Open our eyes, open our ears. Lord, we want to see and hear those situations where you want to send us, where you want to make change or bring it. Bring, bring change or make a difference. Father, our, we rely only on your hand, knowing that you are able to prosper us through difficult situations, situations where we think it's impossible, but it's not about our strength. We rely only on your faithfulness. We trust in you, Lord. We give you glory. We lift your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi. My name is Monty Kwele, and together with my wife, we pastor People's Church. I'm so glad that you chose to join us online today, and I pray that God uses this resource to make you more and more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to note that these kinds of resources are never meant to replace the need for you to belong to a local church congregation where you are led and shepherded, a place where you can use your gifts and your resources to make a positive impact on the lives of the people around you. This is only meant to supplement and not substitute that. And lastly, I would like to ask you, if these resources have been of benefit to you, would you kindly consider giving to People's Church? This is so that we can continue to invest in technologies that help us and enable us to increase our reach and spread the message of Jesus Christ even wider and to even more people. For ways to do that, you can go to our website and click on the Giving tab and you'll see ways to be able to give. 
Now once again, what thank a wonderful you so much message. for joining us today. We have now come to Take the end of today's service. God bless you. We hope that you've been blessed and that you enjoyed. If you are new, don't forget to click on the welcome link and fill in your details. We would like to get to know you. And for those intending to join us in person, don't forget to register online. Seats are limited. So don't miss out. Have a blessed week and enjoy.